All right, good morning to you all. And has it been a great conference so far? Some great preaching. I know the Lord has challenged my heart and, and has spoken to me. And I, I pray that when you leave this conference, uh, you would reflect. You would reflect on what God has done in you during the last few days. And may we not forget, may we not forget what God has done for us. Amen? Good Shepherd Baptist Church, thank you for hosting us. You've done a tremendous job. And uh, I love you. You're my good friends. Uh, my wife said to me, are you happy that all your friends have come into town? And I said to her, of course I'm happy, and I'm happy to be here where all my friends are. And uh, so it's a wonderful meeting. It's good to be with you all. And uh, Pastor Hernan, thank you for the invite. Uh, what a tremendous uh, friend you are and a great help to me in my life. And uh, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity today to share with you God's Word. Amen? Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 8, please. Mark chapter 8. Pastor Skelly mentioned this morning that uh, I helped him greatly with his message. And just before I came out here, he helped me greatly with my message. <laughs> Uh, but we're just thankful for the, what the Lord is going to do for us this morning. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. We're going to read a few verses from verse 22. Verse 22. The Bible says, And he, being Jesus, cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. Now, that's a little bit strange, don't you think? Jesus would have known what he was doing. Uh, you know, uh, he, this was not the first blind man that was healed by Jesus. But this is a quite a unique story over here. In other stories, Jesus would just heal them. He'd put maybe some spit and uh, make some clay, put it on their eyes, and, and or go wash in the pool, and, and they would recover their sight. But this is a, an interesting story here that Jesus asks him if he sees anything, and verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, I'll be honest with you, I've read that verse many times, and, and I was always confused as to what is going on here. I mean, how is it that this man, who was supposedly healed by Jesus, now opens his eyes and sees men as trees? Now, I would imagine that this man had sight at some stage in his life, uh, to be able to recognize what a tree looked like and what a man looked like. Would you agree with that? And, uh, but here he opens his eyes and, and he says, I see men as trees walking. Oh, what a strange sight that may have been. Imagine this man who had been blind now for many, many years and, and the Lord performs this miracle for him and he opens his eyes and what does he see? Trees. Now I wonder if I was there that day, what kind of tree do you think I would have been? This little stubby little tree, you know, with a big trunk like that. Could be a great cedar tree. You know, maybe past the skill, it could be a tall pine tree. <laughs> I wonder what he would have seen if I was there. But he said, I see men as trees walking. A strange little passage here. And, and I've heard some preaching. I've, heard, I've tried to listen to some people to explain this particular passage. And, and I've always been amazed by it. Like, did the Lord make a mistake? I mean, did, did, he, did he like uh, say, okay, well, oops, that didn't work. Uh, what, what do you mean you're seeing men as trees walking? Like, uh, uh, what's going on there? Uh, the Lord didn't make a mistake in that particular situation. The Lord was going to use this miracle to teach his disciples a great lesson. 
as often the Lord will perform miracles or he would say uh, parables or tell stories for a cause to teach his disciples a lesson. And I wonder what was that lesson. And today, for us to understand this passage, we need uh, to read a few verses before or maybe a couple of chapters before to gain an understanding, a bit of an insight into why did Jesus perform this miracle this way? Uh, why is it that in this particular instant that Jesus, when he healed this man, he, he didn't heal him completely all at once? Uh, this man opened his eyes and he saw men as trees walking. And then the Lord had to touch him again to get perfect vision and perfect sight again. I wonder today, what kind of vision do you have? What kind of work has God done in your life? And how are you living your life and what are you seeing what's around you? The theme of our conference is look to God. And, and I wonder how many of us really are seeing what we're supposed to be seeing. I wonder what, how many of us have uh, uh, just uh, been just content with uh, what life is like for us. And we haven't gained a better vision of who God is and a better vision of who we are and, and a greater vision of what God is doing amongst us and in us. Jesus is using this particular miracle to teach his disciples and to gain a greater understanding of who he is in their midst and what he is trying to accomplish in their life. You know, today, we esteem vision as being a great sense that we have. I remember uh, uh, having uh, uh, someone who was blind and, and asking them, would you rather see, get your vision again, or would you like to lose your hearing? Would you like to be deaf? And uh, they said to me, no, I would rather be blind than to be deaf. He said that being blind, I, I could possibly still hear noises. I can hear somebody communicating. Somebody can describe the scene for me. And I can just visualize it, try to visualize it. Now, I couldn't comprehend that. For me, it would be my sight, right? I, I would want to see things. I, I wouldn't want things to be, you know, black and dark and won't be able to uh, differentiate or understand where I am or, or be able to see the beauty of what God has created in this world. And this man suffered with blindness for many years and until the Lord came to heal him. But in that particular instant, when he opened his eyes, it was strange. Uh, Lord, uh, I, I don't know if this is right, but what I'm seeing is men as trees walking. It's a little bit of a confused look. It's a, it's a little bit, uh, I'm seeing, but I'm not being able to comprehend. I'm not understanding exactly, uh, Lord, what, what is before me here. It's a little bit confusing. Sometimes we are just like that in life, aren't we? Uh, Lord, I'm just a little bit confused. I, I really don't understand. I, I'm not comprehending exactly what is it you're trying to do. I, I'm not understanding why these circumstances that I'm going through, why do I have to go through them? A bit of a confused outlook on things, right? But the Lord had to deal with his disciples here about their unbelief and about how they were in that ministry and how they were not perceiving things and not seeing who Jesus really was. And, and so he had to address that in this particular passage. You know what happens to us sometimes? We're, uh, we're limited or we limit ourselves in the kind of view we have in life. Right? We limit ourselves. Uh, I have a slide. I don't, I don't have a handout. I don't have a handout. But I have something better. I have a slide. 
But I've only got one slide, Brother Murphy, just one. But I want you to see here, I'll put the slide up. When we view things, when we see, we can see something in a one-dimensional view. And if you were to look at life or to look at things in, at you in a one-dimensional view, all you're going to see is just one line. But if, you, if we just had a one-dimensional view, if God only gave us a one-dimensional view, we're only going to see just one line, right? Uh, but a two-dimensional view is something that's flat, right? When you, right now, in your Bibles or if you take a magazine or you look at some pictures, they're only two-dimensional because you're seeing them flat right there. But if you have that three-dimensional view, then that gives you some perception and gives you some understanding and some depth about what you're viewing at. Aren't you glad that God has given us the ability to have a three-dimensional view? Uh, Aren't you glad? Can you imagine if we only had a two-dimensional view? Uh, You'll have your bottle of water and you're coming to put it on a table and you don't know how far you have to go. I mean, life would be just a mess. Uh, in fact, uh, we have a man in our church who uh, lost his vision in one eye, and, and uh, for the first couple of months, it was a great struggle for him because he lost perception of depth. Uh, he thought that, you know, he was going to put something on the table, but he would miss it. You see, God's given us that ability to get perception and depth in the things of everyday life. But I wonder whether we really have perception and depth in spiritual living. I wonder whether we, we'd ever stop and think and ask ourselves, that, how is my vision in what God is trying to do in my life or in my family's life or in my church family, what is God trying to do? You know, oftentimes we are either one-dimensional, that is we're only thinking about ourselves, we, only, we can only see one, we can only see ourselves in the midst of everything else. It doesn't matter what God is doing through the whole church, it's all about me, what's happening to me. And it's a sad case if we live life about thinking just about ourselves, a one-dimensional view. Here, the Lord was going to help his disciples to, get, to gain some understanding and help them with their perception. Let's have a look at what the problem was. What, what was the cause of the confusion in his vision? Uh, he saw men as trees. And if this is an illustration, if this is uh, uh, something to help his disciples understand things better, well, what is the Lord trying to point out to them? Well, what is he trying to show them uh, that was wrong in their life? Well, firstly, I see from the passage and from chapters before is that they had a hardened heart. They had a hardened heart. Uh, I mean, they, they were in that ministry. Uh, you know, it was a very busy time of ministry. The Lord was uh, just everywhere, going from one place to the other, doing some great things. Uh, if you go back to Mark chapter 6, he had just fed the 5,000. Imagine being part of that miracle. Imagine being there, being involved, part of that miracle. Uh, going around, taking the Lord Jesus took those five loaves and two fishes, blessed them, broke them, and gave it to the disciples and said, here, take it and distribute it. I mean, he had all the people sit down in different camps of 150s. Now, if you think about that, think about that ratio. Uh, Think about how much each person had to do that day. Uh, It was no small task. I mean, they were very busy. And they were quite involved in that ministry. And then the people were so thrilled by what what Jesus had done. They wanted to make him king. and, And so he wanted nothing to do with that. So he sends his disciples out on the sea and he meets them on the water, right? You know the story. 
He meets him on the water. Peter wants to come out of the ship and, and you know, by faith and, and then begins to sink. And, and uh, the Lord then comes, the storm, and everything is fine. And, uh, you know, they say, the Bible says this. Have a look with me in Mark chapter 6 and verse 52. For they, verse 51, let's go back to 51. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was, what? Hardened. Now, I find that quite strange. I find it quite strange how, how you could be involved in such a great miracle and then come away from that. And, and God's assessment about them was that, you know, they didn't really understand what was going on because their heart was hardened. Now, what does it mean to have a hardened heart? Well, a hardened heart is one that is not just in disbelief, but one that could be a little bit callous. Uh, one that cannot notice, maybe is insensitive to what God is really doing. Uh, and, uh, and callous, we, you, know, you know, it grows on our hands, doesn't it? Right? Uh, those of you who labor really hard. You've got callus on your hands. Uh, you know, when you uh, try to touch something, that your hands aren't as sensitive as others. Now, my hands are very smooth. <laughs> Some people tell me I have smoother hands than what ladies do. But I promise you this, once upon a time, I did have callus on my hands. Uh, once upon a time, I, I used to have callus right here on my palms. And, and you want to know how I got it? Carrying a briefcase every day to work. I mean, that briefcase was everything to me. I mean, it had all the important things that I needed for the day. My lunch. <laughs> it was my lunchbox. I mean, if it was a long day, the, the briefcase was heavier than normal. I mean, I needed my snacks. I needed my drinks. I, everything was packed in there. And it was this back briefcase. Now, some of you guys today are carrying a backpack. What a shame. <laughs> what a shame. We're carrying backpacks. What happened to the days when we carried a briefcase? I mean, I, I had this beautiful, beautiful black leather briefcase. I carried it for many years. And, and uh, when I stopped having to go into the city, into my executive job, uh, I, it just sat in my office and it just gathered some dust. And last year, my wife was going through my stuff. How many people have their wives go through their stuff? Right? I mean, I just find that amazing. Like, you know, they always find the things that are yours that need, that need to get rid of. But their stuff, oh, no, I need that. No, that needs to stay. Uh, so she goes through my office and she sees this black briefcase. It was my pride and joy. I mean, this thing was my partner for years. I carried it and it caused callus on my hands. And she says, you know, you don't use that anymore. I looked at that faithful old black briefcase and I thought, do I keep you and have a fight with the wife? Or do I just let you go? And so it went. And with it went my heart and the memories. But I used to have callous. Now, you might have callous today, and we would laugh at it, but I want us to understand this. Have we grown some callous on our hearts that we are insensitive to the Word of God, and we are insensitive to the Spirit of God, and we are insensitive to what God is trying to do in our midst? The Bible says that they had hardened their heart. Now, how could, possibly, how could we possibly harden our heart? Well, you know what? When you do something over and over and over again, uh, you, you get a little bit callous, don't you? 
And it just becomes a repetitive motion. I like what Pastor Murphy said, you know, every Monday he feels pregnant, <laughs> right? And then yeah, you've got to deliver this message on Sunday. Now, if you just, pre- if you just preach infrequently, that's a wonderful experience. But if you have to come up with three messages or four messages every week, it becomes an odious task sometimes. The repetitiveness of the task can, can possibly grow some callus on your heart. Uh, when you have to do it over and over and over again, your heart can get a little bit hardened. Uh, you, you become more interested in the mechanism and how, how, how I'm going to do this and, and how we're going to get it done. And, and so the repetitiveness of the activity could cause a bit of callus in your heart. Church attendance is like that, isn't it? Right? Church attendance is like that. Well, I've got to do it every week and three times a week, and, and uh, we're here every week and we're faithful every week. You know what happens after a, bit, after a while? I'm attending, but I'm not really attending. I'm attending, but I'm really not attending. I'm here physically, but my mind and my heart is somewhere else. Uh, my heart has gone a little bit callous because of the repetitiveness of the nature of attending church all the time. Imagine what it's like to teach a Sunday school class every week. I mean, every week you have to deal with, we have to deal with your children. I mean, every week we have to come up with a lesson plan and we have to have the activity. And, and so you do that week in, week out, week in, week out. And what ends up happening after a while just becomes mechanical, doesn't it? And we become a little bit callous. Our, our heart is not really, we're not doing it really from a joyful heart, from a joyful spirit. We're not seeing that God is going to do something amazing in my class today, but I've just got to get it done. When we look at ministry that way, we may, we may have a potential callous on our hearts. A hard and harder look. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you, you're going to be out of ministry completely. I'm not saying that you're neglecting your church attendance. I'm just talking about what kind of heart do you have? You see, here the disciples were in the midst of this great miracle. Now, now it wasn't just the first time when we look in, back in chapter 6, but, but then when we look in chapter 7, we read again that now he's, Jesus is on the east side of uh, the lake of, uh, uh, of uh, the Sea of Galilee, and, and now he feeds 4,000 people. Now, he asks the same question. He says, uh, you know, uh, they've been with me for three days. Uh, what do we have to feed them? You know, what do they think? Uh, what kind of resource can we have to feed as many as 4,000 people? Now, have you ever wondered about that, about that response? I mean, you just saw him feed 5,000 beside the women and the children, and you have so many baskets left over. Now there's a, the same problem as before you. How is it that you didn't understand what happened back then? How is it that you didn't comprehend that Jesus is able to do this mighty work again? You know, sometimes we can miss the great power of God in our midst. What God is really trying to do in us, what God is trying to do in my family, what God is trying to do in me, what God is trying to do in my church, we can miss that so much because we just got involved in the repetitiveness of the activity. Watch this. Not only because of the repetitiveness, but also the busyness of the activity, the busyness of the task. Now, I've often wondered, how is it? 
I mean, you were in that miracle. It's not like you just sat on the side and you just watched Jesus somehow bring manna from heaven and feed the people. You were part of it. I mean, you, you were the one who, you went to Jesus and he broke it and he gave it to you and, and you took it and you gave it to all the different groups. You were part of that miracle. I mean, I would have thought, man, we only started off with five loaves and two fishes. How did I get more in my hands? And I'm giving it. And they did that time and time and time and time again. See, they were busy. It was a busy day. It was a busy day of ministry. You know, the busyness of life and the busyness of ministry can make our heart go a little bit callous. It can make us callous. Why? Because, you know what we say to ourselves? I've just got to get through this. Right? I've just got to get through this. I've just got to do this just one more time. I've just got to just endure it a little bit longer. I just have to get through this. And if that's all our life is about, is just to get through it, we've missed the mighty hand and the mighty power of God that is able to work in us. Their heart was a little bit hardened. Not only was it hardened because of the business of the ministry, but also with a misaligned objective. You see, when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. He saw, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He, he had a great emotion towards them that they couldn't just walk back. I mean, they've been with me for three days. I, I can't just let them go. He had a heart for the people, but you know what they were seeing? Potential people who will vote for Jesus. I mean, they were laboring. Why were they laboring? This is great. Uh, we're going to have now an extra 5,000 men that will vote for us when we go for the election. Uh, you know, when Jesus comes into his kingdom, we've got more supporters now. We have people on our side. Uh, they saw that this was an opportunity where Jesus was displaying his great power to win more voters. And they were willing to labor with that. Listen, we're going to get a movement. Jesus is going to, he is the Messiah. He is the one who's going to rule. He's going to bring the glory of Israel back up again. And we're going to be part of that. And so let's do everything we can now because we're going to have a position with him. See, a misaligned objective. They were thinking one way. Jesus was thinking another way. Jesus had compassion on the multitude and wanted to minister to them. They looked at the multitude as being a nuisance. Send them away. That was their solution. Right, send them away, like uh, we've done our bit, you've done the healing, you've done the teaching, send them away. But Jesus had compassion on the multitude. Sometimes we may go a little bit callous and a hardened heart when the objective of our heart is different to what God is trying to accomplish. We're heading in a direction and God is saying, no, it's this direction. Sometimes we've, uh, we've done things at church. Sometimes we've uh, done things in our families and we've made decisions that go directly against what God wants for us. Right? I'm always amazed at people who just pick themselves up from church and just leave. They just leave. It's like, how do you do that? How do you make that decision so easily that you pick yourself up and say, I'm not coming back here again? Well, if the Lord planted us here together, that was the Lord's doing, putting us here. How do you just unpluck yourself and go and just wander around in the desert and in the wilderness? And you know what ends up happening? Nine times out of ten, people who do that blow themselves up and blow their families up. Yeah, that was our experience. Uh, people who make just uh, uh, reactive decisions, like, nah, I'm leaving. 
So where are you going? No, we don't care. We're just leaving. We're not happy. But, but has the Lord led you? No, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go. And listen, you make those kind of decisions, uh, you're bound to, uh, you, and you will suffer the consequences. Not, not you may, you will suffer those consequences. But sometimes when we make choices, they go against God's purpose for us. Sometimes we can blow up a church. Sometimes church members can blow up a church because they want to pull in one direction and the pastor's pulling in another direction. Hey, we can, we can have hardened hearts. We can have hardened hearts when we are following our purposes, our objectives, and not what God has purposed for us in our personal lives, in our family lives, and in our church family life. Jesus said this to them. Have a look with me in verse 17. So they were reasoning about themselves. Uh, Jesus uh, talked uh, about the Pharisees who had asked him about, show us a sign and and uh, that we will believe on you. And Jesus said, no son will be, will be given to you his side in his spirit. Verse 12, and why, why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them and entering into the ship again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them any more than one, lo- one loaf. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do ye not remember? When I broke the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, 12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? How, How is it that you can be part of all of this and you still can't understand? How is it that you could be part of this great work that God is doing and you don't perceive it right? How is it that you cannot see exactly what God is doing? How is it that we live much of our lives in a one-dimensional view or in a two-dimensional view, but we haven't really got good perception? We haven't got good perception of what God is really doing. God, what is God really doing for you today? What is he doing in your life today? You see, uh, they had a problem. Uh, they had a hardened heart. But not only did they have a hardened heart, but they lost capability to discern matters. He, he said to them, in seeing, you don't see. In hearing, you don't understand. Uh, you, you know, I just find that amazing. Uh, I just find it incredible that people can see the same thing and not really understand what they saw. Uh, they can hear the same thing, but hear something totally different. And these men, being part of these great miracles and the great teachings, and they still could not comprehend what God was doing, what Christ was doing in their life. You know, when you don't exercise yourself to understanding, you will live a dumb life all your life. Would you agree with that? I know it's a hard statement, but if you don't exercise yourself unto understanding and wisdom, you will live a dumb life. You'll make some very dumb decisions. 
that you will live to regret. Uh, you, you will be so reactive in your life. You, you're just making, you're just shooting from the hip. You're just making decisions on the go. And that you haven't really thought through and allowed the Spirit of God to teach you how to make the right choices. You see something's happening and you don't really understand what God is doing. Uh, rather than uh, exercising faith and, and trust and prayer, we become resentful against God and saying, God, why, what are you doing? You see, if you don't learn how to exercise your senses and exercise your perception and the depth of vision, if you don't learn how to do that, you're going to be dumb all your life. The Bible shows us great words of wisdom. You know, you, you, can, you can live a life that is of great blessing. You can God has given us all things pertaining to godliness. He's given us everything that we need. Uh, we don't have to, we don't just have to survive this life. Did you know that? You, you don't just have to just make it through. God has given you everything. But you know what our problem is? We just don't know how to exercise it. We, we just don't know how to use it. And there's some things that God has given us that we just have never been taught, or not, not taught, but we never grasped how to, how to do it. Uh, you, you know, you may, your, your pastor might have taught you and, and showed you some great things, but you just didn't catch it. Why? Because you, you have, you're not inclined in that way. Well, people say to me, uh, you know, how many burpees can you do? Now, that term I don't understand completely. <laughs> what is a burpee? I, I can bring up stuff like that. <laughs> but what is a burpee? Why? Why? Because I haven't given myself over to that kind of exercise, Right? I don't know what you're talking about because I'm not part of that. I haven't exercised myself towards that. You know, we can lose a lot of things by neglecting our exercise in the spiritual realm. Prayer, meditation, fasting, waiting on the Spirit of God. You see, if we don't learn how to exercise ourselves in that direction, we're going to be pretty dumb. We're going to make dumb and foolish decisions, but we're just going to make it through life. We, uh, we're going to see things and not understand what God is doing. Uh, we're going to hear things and not understand why it's been said. He said to them, uh, why is it you've been with me, you've seen these things. Uh, uh, why is it that you see, uh, you're seeing things, but you're not really seeing? Uh, you're hearing, but you're not really hearing. Uh, could, that be assess- could that be an assessment of us today? Could that be an assessment of us as church people, as servants of God, where the Lord is trying to get our attention, He's showing us some things, but we're just not catching on. You know why we're not catching on? Because we have not exercised ourselves into that direction. When I came to Australia, uh, I was nine years old, I was French educated. So I spoke French quite well. Parlez-vous français? Now don't go further than that, because that's all I remember. You know why I don't remember my French language anymore? You, you want to know why I don't remember it? Because I never used it. I, I've been here 46 years and, and I've never used it. I mean, I can remember a couple of words, but I can't string a sentence together. Why? I never used it. And you know what you don't lose, what you don't use, you will lose over time. What you don't use, you will lose over time. You say, well, uh, you know, I'm a person of great faith. You know, if you don't exercise faith continually, you're going to end up one day 
when your faith is so weak that you have no more faith. Right? And if you don't exercise yourself to prayer and meditation and uh, giving yourself time with the Lord, if you don't do that, you're going to wake up one day when that's strange to you. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, when you don't have experiences with God every day now, and, and that's lost, and all down here you can think about is what God did for me 40 years ago, there's a problem. They saw, but they didn't really see. They heard, but they didn't really hear. They lost capability to discern matters. Not only that, but I want you to see with me that uh, they could not appreciate what Jesus was talking about because they were only thinking about the physical realm. And Jesus was talking and said to them, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they, they looked at each other and said, uh, uh, did he say that because we only got one loaf of bread? You know, something happened with our supply chain. You know, they didn't get it to us in time. But we're here in the ship and we only got one loaf of bread. Is that what he's really trying to aim at? Is he just having a jab at us because we didn't get the supplies right? Isn't it amazing how some people, when they hear the, the, the word of God, that, that they cannot understand it, but that all they can relate to is to the physical realm. Their, their mind just goes straight to the physical realm. Uh, they, they can't comprehend that which is spiritual. They, they just can't understand what God could be doing in the spiritual realm. Now, all they can see is just the physical. And you know what they do? They walk around, well, isn't it a great pastor? This week we had 400 people. Well, I, you know, I'm not uh, against the, the Lord increasing us, but if that's all we measure our ministry by, the number of people that attended church that day, we have a problem. You know, people come into our facilities and say, oh, wow, look at this great building that you have built. Man, if, if you come into our ministry and that's all you're seeing, you've missed the point. Sometimes, you know, we make decisions about churches. We make decisions about where we, we need to be by, okay, what programs do they have? What are they going to offer me? Is their building air-conditioned? Oh, uh, you know, am I going to be sitting there hot and sweaty? Uh, is there a car park for me? A car park. <laughs> if I have to park down the road, uh, well, that, that's, that's just not good enough. Right? You see, when we, uh, when we just think about the physical realm, uh, we have missed, we will miss what God is doing. Listen to me, Christian. If all you're thinking your life today is about having a career, having a good job, making good money, having a house, having a good car, having an investment property, and having another investment property, putting my kids in private schools, going on holidays every year, having money in the bank, my super is all laid up for when I'm retiring. If that's all you're living for, you've missed the point. You have missed the point. You are just like these disciples who, right in the middle of the miracle, you are in that same miracle what God is doing in your church, and all your thinking is about the material things. You've missed the point. You've missed what God is doing. You miss what God is trying to do in your life. You miss the point of what God is trying to do in your children's life. They missed it. Because all they could think about is the loaf of bread. 
hey, hey, this thing about be careful of the level of the, of the, uh, of the Pharisees and, and the Herodians, uh, that sin of unbelief that I will only believe if you give me a sign from heaven. Hey, be careful of that. Now, what, what are they thinking about? Oh, the loaf of bread. That was their problem. Now, watch with me very quickly. They had a confused vision. This man that Jesus healed saw men walking as trees. Do you see what Jesus is trying to teach them? You can be in the midst of the miracle, but not see what God is trying to do. But we find later, as we read in our passage from verse 27 to verse 29, we find Jesus asking his disciples as they go up to Caesarea Philippi. And and by the way, he asks his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? Well, that's an interesting question. Whom do men say that I am? Well, some of them say to him, you know, you're John the Baptist, but some say you're Elias and others one of the prophets. And he says unto them, but whom do you say that I am? Well, that's an interesting question. And here Peter pipes up. Thou art the Christ. Hold on, Peter. How did you, how did you get that? How did you see that? How did you know that? How did you know to make that statement? What did you see that others didn't see? How did you make that statement? Thou art the Christ. You know, in Matthew, Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. You see, God helped Peter to see some things. He got a better perception. He got a better understanding. He, he, he got a, a third dimension, a third dimensional view of what God was doing, who Christ was. Now, let me help you to, this morning and we'll finish. Three applications here, all right, and we'll be done. How do we get a cured vision? How do we get a cured vision like, like Peter did? How, how do we get that experience? Well, number one, you should know all this. Read your Bible to understand God's Word. Read your Bible to understand God's Word. Don't read your Bible just to say, oh, I've done my reading plan today, tick. Uh, we've done that, haven't we? I, I'm guilty of that. Uh, I've done my reading, I've done my devotion, tick. But have you really understood what the Word of God says? Read to understand. Uh, The psalmist said this in Psalm 119, verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. You know what, Brother Gus? I'm a simple guy. And I need the Word of God. I need the Word of God to help me not to make simple, dumb decisions. I need the Word of God to help me make the right choices, the right decisions in life for me, for my family, and for my church. I I need the Word of God to help me. Otherwise, I'm going to make some seriously dumb decisions. I wonder how seriously you take the Word of God. You remember, to get the right view in life for what God is doing, You're not going to work it out on your own. You need more of God's word in you. Amen? The entrance of thy word giveth light. I'm going to understand things. I'm going to perceive things better when I know more of God's word. Number two, write this down. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct you. John 14, 26, Jesus said, I will send you the comforter and he will teach you all things.
wonder how many of us are really spirit-led Christians. What does that mean? Does that mean like in the middle of the night I'm going to see a vision and the Spirit of God is going to come down and say, go this way. Mansoor, Mansoor. <laughs> you know, if, if the Lord said my name twice, I'll be packing it. I mean, I'll be hiding under the bed. But what are we waiting for? See, the Spirit of God is in us. And he will teach you all things. You know what that tells me? Is that we, we've got to stop making our own foolish decisions. And we need to sit back a little bit and say, God, what do you have for me in your word? And Holy Spirit, what is the direction that you have for my life? And you say, well, how will I know? Oh, he will lead you. You will know if you're going the wrong way. How many people have experienced the leading of the Holy Spirit when you went in the wrong direction? Put your hand up. You know, don't you? You know. It's not like, oh, did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? I'm not sure. Listen, if you're in the wrong direction and you have the Spirit of God, He will make it clear to you that you're going in the wrong direction. But what we need is more people who will just say, Lord, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me insight? Would you, would you help me just to know to make the right choice? Uh, Lord, we, we need to make a decision for our family. Uh, we need a decision for our kids. We, uh, we need a decision for our church. Uh, uh, God, would you, we're just going to sit here. We're just going to pray and we're going to wait when the, when the Spirit of God will lead us and give us peace to go in the direction you want us to go. Uh, you you want to get perception of what God is doing? Then you just wait on the Holy Spirit of God. You just allow him to show you that path, give you clarity about where you're going. Hey, hey, be careful. Don't become pragmatic. Don't, don't take matters in your hands and try to solve the problem yourself. That's what Abraham and Sarah did with Hagar, remember? Don't be too quick. You just wait on the promises of God. You wait on the direction of the Holy Spirit and he will lead you. And lastly, I will be finished this morning, exercise yourself to faith. Exercise yourself unto faith. A life of faith. You know, you know we, we have the wrong idea of faith. Uh, uh, you know, of course I believe God exists, and, and of course I believe God is going to deliver me. And, and you know, we, we have this faith of just like this um, academic knowledge of what faith is. But have you really experienced a life of faith? Have you ever been at the edge where uh, there's nowhere else to go? Uh, like it, it seems like it's the end of the road. And uh, uh, I've called a friend. I've taken 50-50. Uh, I, I've uh, tried to analyze what would be the right, uh, but I still don't know what the, right, what the right decision is. Have you ever been there? I know, I've been there many times. You know what you need? You need to learn to exercise faith. This is the time where you actually walk on water. You know, these are the days where you see God doing some great things. If you can learn to walk by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. Now, we know all these verses, don't we? So we know them, but are they really part of our life? Are we really people of faith? Come on. Are we willing to step out and risk some things and say, we're going to believe God will do this? 
Sometimes we want to wait. Our Lord will we'll move when you show us the whole plan and that you provided for the whole plan and when the whole plan is provided. And uh, we don't want to be a lazy God, but we just need all these things for us to know that that's what you want us to do. No, no, no. How about just daring to attempt some things for the Lord? Uh, in the right direction, in the right way, right? Doing it God's way. How, how about we become people of faith? You know, when we become people of faith, we'll see some things that we've never seen before. You know why? What's the definition of faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. What, 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 what? what? It's the evidence of what? Things not seen. Is that going to take me to a three-dimensional view? You see, faith living gives us a deeper perception of what life is really about. The Lord wants to do a great work in us today. The disciples were part of these great works and missed it all, and the Lord had to rebuke them and use this particular miracle to teach them a lesson. This blind man first saw men as trees walking. I wonder what is your outlook of Christian living today? What is your outlook like? Do you have a confused vision? Are you unsettled? There's been a callous on your heart? There's no more fervency and sensitivity to the Lord and his word and his church and, and are we just living for ourselves? Is there a bit of callous in our hearts? Have we hardened ourselves? That we're not even seeing what God is doing right here. They missed it, man. They were in the miracle, but they missed it. I wonder whether today, folks, we could be in the midst of a great revival that God could do in our churches, in our personal lives, in our homes, and we could be totally oblivious to what God is doing. This man saw men as trees walking, and then the Lord healed him, and he saw clearly again. Do you want clear vision today? Do you want a clear vision? Maybe we just need to turn to the Lord today. Confess the stubbornness of our hearts the hardness of our hearts, the laziness of not exercising ourselves to the things of God. Maybe we're seeing, but we're not really seeing. We're hearing, but we're not really hearing. And we need God to clear up our vision today. Let's pray. Now, Father, we give thanks to you this morning. Thank you for your word and the clarity it brings. Would you help us, Lord, today? Would you help us to do what you would have us to do this morning, to get our vision clear, to see things clearly, the way you intended them for us to be as Christians, to see your mighty hand of power working in us and through us to your glory and honor. Bless, Lord, this day and the preaching of your word to our hearts. And may you do a powerful work in each one, drawing us closer to Christ, transforming our lives to be more like Jesus. And Lord, we'll be careful today 
to give you all the praise and glory because it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Mensah. We've been helped this morning. Amen. And uh, just as we did yesterday, we're going to have a split session now. Um, so it's going to be exactly the same locations, except for one change will be that our pastors, we're going to ask you to uh, meet in the cafe over there. So we're going to have a men's session in here, ladies out the back there, and then our teens uh, over in behind the building that we sent you to yesterday. But our pastors are going to be over in our cafe building. Before we do that, I'm going to ask Sister Hera Brinkman to come and sing again. Um, so she was a true blessing.